0: This is AJ Fox. Welcome to the West Egg Sales Show. All right. This week in the philosophy segment, we're going to talk about the philosophy of loss. Now, remember, philosophy, as we define it, is a way of thinking, your guiding principles with regard to your career in sales. And when it comes to the philosophy of loss, what we're really talking about is your philosophy regarding how to deal with loss. If you're in sales, you can certainly plan on not going undefeated in your career, maybe not even in a single year of your career. Losses come with the territory. How you deal with them is what's going to determine your well-being and your ability to succeed going forward. Now, a lot of times when we experience a loss, it's, for example, our client chooses another bid they go with one of our competitors, or they simply reject our bid and and choose not to do the deal. However that it happens, of course it does happen. A lot of times the first thing a salesman thinks about in the situation is who to blame? Why did this happen? Those are two very different things. It's very good. It's, It's really preferable to figure out why this happened. But it's not okay and not preferable to make it your mission to figure out who to blame sales is a team sport but ultimately as the salesman we are responsible for what happens and when we think about why did this go wrong in terms of who to blame we're going down the wrong path Now we've all been there a bid was submitted and we lost and we might think well The the pricing was off. I didn't agree with that pricing. Or we might say, the solution was wrong. I didn't agree with the solution. We shouldn't have done that. You go down that path, and if you're not looking at how to fix it, and you're only looking at who to blame, which is to say, hey, it wasn't my fault, that's not gonna serve you well. Let me say that again. When you're looking for who to blame, As your primary mission after a loss you're going down the wrong path and so while it's very normal to be upset a little emotional mad angry you name it after a sales loss the best thing that one can do is find out what happened because it's okay to lose a deal as I said it happens to all of us not okay to lose the same deal the same way time and time again. And that's something that as salespeople, we're responsible for tweaking the pricing or examining the solution or maybe saying to our team, I don't think this is going to work or insisting this is not going to work. We need to try again. We need to do something different. Now, those are things that are easy to get a handle on, because you've got your result, your bid wasn't chosen, you lost the deal. What I also want to talk about when it comes to the philosophy of loss is to understand that a lot of times the loss happened before the bid was submitted. It's hard to focus on that a lot of times when we've lost a deal, but it's still very, very important. And what I mean by that is Many times when we've lost the deal before the bid, it's because we didn't do enough leading up to the bid. We hadn't developed the relationship with our customer to a point where we had earned their trust, earned the right to ask for their business, have the ability to communicate with them along the way. And if you don't do those things, you're really taking a chance A lot of times what that's going to lead you into is a a bid war. We're going to be the we're going to be the best price or we're going to be the lowest price and that's what's going to win it for us. And that's nothing personal. What I'm saying is if you leave out the personal part going in, you're really going up against it, trying to win on price or trying to win because, well, our, our product's the best, very tough to say that in these times that our price or our product is the best. Very few can say that. We all have competitors and they're gonna be close enough to us in price and product or service. Where we can overcome and win is making sure that going in, that we address the relationship with the customer, that we communicate with them, that we communicate openly with them. We get to know them a little bit we ask the right questions going in. So when we're talking about philosophy of loss, how to deal with loss, a lot of times what we're gonna find is we didn't do the necessary things going into the bid to win it. Now, that does happen. A lot of times bids move pretty fast and nobody wants to turn down an opportunity to do new business. But when you're generating new business, what you're also doing is generating new relationships relationships with your customers at every level of the organization, from your intro sponsors, those that got you in the door and were initially involved in introducing you to the company, to the business sponsors, those that are going to make the selection of of who wins the bid, and the executive sponsors, or as we used to say, those that sign the check. With those pieces in place, with those relationships budding and building, you're going to be in much better shape to deal with the loss. Losses can still come even when those relationships are in place. But when you take a loss in that circumstance, a lot of times you're going to realize much more quickly why you didn't win the bid. There could have been an issue with the price. A lot of times a competitor can win because their proposal was different, causing their price to be lower. You can lose that way sometimes and not feel like you've made a terrible mistake. I said earlier in episode one that it's important to know your value and to stand by it. Unfortunately, even some of our best customers won't see that value each and every time. When that happens, you've got to have a philosophy in place how to deal with the loss. Because when you have that philosophy, as I've discussed, looking at the deal itself, looking at the relationship that you have with your client as part of your philosophy of doing business in time of loss, you're going to be able to patch up whatever holes you might have had. You'll have the ability to do better the next time. And there's always going to be a next time. So having a way of thinking about loss will also keep you from having losses snowball, having one lead to another and to another. It'll also ensure that your relationships, even inside your company, will be strengthened and you'll communicate better with your own team. But having a philosophy of loss, I believe, is very important. There's too many times one leads to another because there wasn't a way of thinking in place of how to deal with loss. There are some companies that will conduct what they call a post-mortem, which sounds a little depressing, but it's a way of of dissecting usually a deal after it's over. Let's look back at what we did right and what we did wrong. Same thing can apply when you lose a deal in the first place, but I wouldn't call it a post-mortem. That's a little depressing. However, it's an important thing to do. Keep in mind that if you've got a philosophy in place, you're going to be stockpiling positive attributes about your company that you'll bring forth in the next opportunity. As I said earlier in this episode, none of us ever go undefeated in sales, but it's so important to have a philosophy in place so that when the loss comes, when the loss hits you, as hard as it may hit, you're going to have a way of thinking to process it and come out stronger for the next time. By Going to move on to the next segment in just a moment. We'll take a short break and I look forward to joining you again in just a moment. Welcome back to the show. In this week's best practice segment, I want to share with you a communication practice that has served me well for many, many years and is utilized not only by salespeople by but by anyone that needs to communicate in their job function. The best practice is very simple, but it's also very important. It goes like this. For every phone call that you make, follow it up with an email. And for every email that you send, follow it up with a phone call, likely a voice message. This strategy will enhance your communication. It'll enhance your success because what you're doing is making sure that you propel your dialogue with your customer. The email, unfortunately, is so overrated and over-relied upon by many, many salesmen. They think, well, I've sent out 100 emails and that should suffice. Not a great strategy. To say I've sent out 100 emails and I follow them each up with a phone call, so much better. In fact, it's the best practice. Communicating with our customers can never be overrated. It also is something that many salesmen don't keep up with in an effective manner. If you adopt this best practice, you'll never have any loose ends on your communications to your customers. They will appreciate the consistency. They'll appreciate the follow-up because a lot of times an email will get missed quite by accident but it still gets missed. And if what we think is every one of our emails is getting read from top to bottom, we may be mistaken. However, if we follow up our emails with phone calls, we're gonna be in such better shape in any situation. Same thing goes with those that are in other divisions of a company. Let's take the finance folks that have to make calls to follow up on overdue invoices. If all they did was send emails they're not gonna have great success. If all they did was leave voice messages or make phone calls again not the best success. For instance if you make the call you're probably gonna need to resend the invoice anyway for example. But if your best practice is every email gets a phone call and every phone call gets an email you're gonna have greater consistency in that division. Now in sales it's a fantastic practice because it always keeps the dialogue going. Sometimes you'll find that you just sent a terrific email, it had everything in it, it was clear, it was concise, it was right on the money, still should make a phone call. Just to mention that you sent an email and you know how busy your customer is, just wanted to touch base and let them know that it's been sent. On the other hand, if you left a voicemail, That same customer is probably getting a lot of voicemails as well. But an email from you, even just to mention, just left you a voicemail, sorry I missed you. And then condense your phone call in notes of an email. It works just about every single time because in this case, the only way to do it wrong is not to do it. Now, what you want to be careful of is overdoing it to follow up on the same email and the same call over and over and over again, probably not a great thing to do. However, the practice still fits because if you like, you can send the same email with a little different detail because now you're offering new information. Now you're advancing your communication. But again, cannot say enough about this particular practice. It's worked for me for many, many years. A lot of times, i found that it was the follow-up that made the communication advance to the next level. Without it, probably doesn't happen that way. With it, you're probably gonna find, I would say, that you won't make as many of your outbound activities, but the ones that you make will be so much more effective. And that's what we really wanna do here. We're not just racking up numbers of emails that we send or phone calls that we make. We get judged by our results. To enhance the likelihood of success in your results, this best practice is the way to go. Now I'm wondering now if some out there are saying, well, geez, why, why, I don't have time for that and I've, I've got my drip campaign going and that, that's, that's, that's what I want to do. Well, I think that's great except that you can enhance even a drip campaign with a phone call because a phone call especially in these times separates you from those just sending email especially automated email the phone call that personal connection is at another level a higher level a better level for success frankly and again when you want to make a phone call And you're thinking well I'm really not not sure what to say this time because I've I've called and I've emailed and I I haven't really gotten anywhere sometimes in this practice the follow-up phone call can simply be that you were going to send another email but at some point emails get a little impersonal and you wanted to reach out sounds old-fashioned but it does work so if you get the opportunity please begin as soon as you can Start the follow-up process. Adopt the best practice of every email gets a phone call and every phone call gets an email each and every time. Even if you're on a roll, say, well, I'm I'm doing real well just sending out emails. That's fine, but don't neglect the follow-up point by point. That's why every email gets a phone call and every phone call gets an email. And you might ask, well, when should I do that? Good question. You can do that in the same day or within a few days. What you don't wanna do is alternate weeks unless you're in a very long selling cycle and you're just keeping in touch with a customer because they've let you know that now's not a good time but you're okay to keep in touch. Keeping in touch, is very different than following up on a particular deal that you're working on. So your timetable needs to be adjusted accordingly. The thing is though every email getting a phone call and every phone call getting an email can't be overlooked. There's very few ways that you can go wrong with this best practice. That brings us to the end of this segment. Remember, what you're doing is a best practice to keep your communication moving forward and if you adopt this practice and make it a habit you'll find in very short order that it works and it's effective and you'll keep on doing it and you'll find it just second nature again i appreciate having the time to cover this best practice we're going to take a quick break and be right back Welcome back to the show. Now it's time for the segment where we talk about building circles. This week I want to share with you the circle of colleagues. Specifically a circle of sales colleagues. Now they don't have to be in your industry. They don't have to be in your company. They just have to be in the profession. Having a circle of sales colleagues gives you a network of friends that you can call on to talk shop, that you can share with them your ups and downs. And these colleagues can come from just about anywhere. Some of mine over the years have been other salespeople that have called me, called my company, trying to sell me their product or service. And whether it was a fit or not, if we found some camaraderie on the call, that was a great thing, and we kept in touch. Those people are invaluable to a sales career, having a circle of colleagues in the sales profession. You'll never find yourself at a time when that circle will be too big. You can't have too many friends out there that you can talk to about the business. And again, they don't have to be in your industry. In fact, sometimes it's valuable that they're not in your industry and in addition you don't have to think alike and talk alike and agree on everything in the world, but you've got to get along with each other. You have to have a a mutual respect for each other and each other's ability to give the the other a lift. That's what this circle is about. It's about keeping ourselves sane in, in times of insanity in our world and a lot of times after, for instance, a loss, it helps to call someone in that circle of colleagues that understands what you just went through. You might not wanna have that same conversation with the people in your company or with your family and friends. You Wanna talk to someone who doesn't know every last thing about the deal, but can just talk to you, can just hear you out, and you'll find that these colleagues, they'll stay with you for a while. I have some that I maybe call them two, or three times a year, but it's always a great call. They're glad to hear from me, and when they call me, I'm glad to hear from them. We might not ever do business together, but there is a great value in having that circle of sales colleagues. We understand each other, we're, as salespeople, a little bit different than, than the others in our organization, and we need that dialogue with others in the profession in order to keep ourselves you know, on a good path and, and upbeat. And sometimes you'll find that when you least expect it, it'll be someone in that circle that'll give you a lift or a tip, sometimes even a lead, because you've, you've generated a dialogue that there's really there's, there's not a deal on the table. You're not trying to sell them. They're not trying to sell you. You're just talking. As, as two salesmen that, that understand each other's lives and, and understand each other's businesses a little bit so that when you need them, they'll be there for you. And you, you'll be surprised at uh, how these, these colleagues, they'll stay in your circle long term. And they'll go to different jobs and you'll touch base with them when they've taken a new position to find out about it. Maybe this is the opportunity where you actually could do some business together and you can learn from this circle as well. Not only is it uplifting emotionally and psychologically, it's it's uplifting in terms of knowledge and experience. Because these are people who are your sales friends and they're gonna provide you information about industry and about sales in general that you might not have known prior to talking with them. So this circle of colleagues is something that you may already have, but you might not have collected them as such. Having friends in the profession uh, will go a long, long way. Sometimes though, we find that the only friends we have in the profession are in our industry. They're our colleagues and our competitors. I would suggest expanding that. I would say that if someone is a good salesman, it really shouldn't matter what it is that they're selling. What matters is your rapport with them. Your ability to chat them up when it's time to have a conversation with someone that you trust. And with that, you can go a long way toward expanding that circle of colleagues. It's a very valuable circle. It's almost, I would say, one of the core circles of a successful sales career. You'll find that these are the people that you can count on for a good opinion. And if you've got a situation where you're really not sure how to handle uh, something, whether within your business or with a customer, talking to someone in that circle of colleagues is going to help pretty much each and every time. Another thing about this circle, try to be diverse. Be diverse in experience level. Be diverse in geographies. and. It's not that you don't wanna have a bunch of people from a particular area or you wanna focus on having most people from a particular area. But keep in mind that the more that you grow this circle, the stronger the circle becomes. And what you'll also find along the road to building and creating your circle of colleagues is you will have opportunities to introduce them to one another. You'll be the guy that introduced one to another and that will elevate you and, and that type of, of favor, that type of, of solid that you can do one for another will come back to you many times over. When they find themselves in a conversation and it's about your industry, they're gonna mention your name and they're gonna say call my friend, here's his contact information. You'll find those introductions go a heck of a long way and when you've got a big enough circle you'll never be alone in whatever you try to take on. If you wanna go into a new pocket of business, try a new vertical. The more people you have in that circle, the better off you're going to be. However, you gotta keep in touch with them and I don't mean just be connected on LinkedIn, I mean pick up the phone and call them just to find out how they're doing. It's never the wrong time to call them. You can call out of the blue. A lot of times that call is out of the blue. And when it's genuine, that rapport that you have, it never goes away. And you'll pick up right where you left off. And that's always a good thing. So with this circle, I suggest you take a look at what you've got, start today. Make a couple of calls today to colleagues and friends in the sales business that you haven't talked to in a while. And make it a point to reach out to someone every couple of days, at least once a week. Reach out to that circle just to check in, just to let them know how you're doing, especially in these times when everyone's world is just a little bit uncertain. So that brings us to the end of this segment. I'm going to come back in just a moment with this week's motivational story. Welcome back to the show. This week's motivational story is about the great Johnny Daniels. Johnny Daniels was and and still is the essence of a salesman. He's now retired and splits time between Jupiter, Florida and Chicago. And it's in Chicago, Illinois that he got his start. And he shared with me a story from his sales life long ago and I want to share it with you today. It really speaks to the power of showing up. Now this, this story takes place in the 1980s, in Chicago, winter time. And Johnny, who's known as Jack to some of his friends, had a proposal that was on the table and his appointment that particular morning was with the decision maker, the owner of the company. He was to go at 7 a.m to present his proposal. Now the night before in Chicago, it snowed, snowed like crazy. There was about 18 inches of snow on the ground. When Johnny Daniels woke up that morning, he saw the snow. However, Johnny, in spite of the snow, and this is before ease of communication was in a salesman's life, He got himself together, bundled up, got in his car, and drove to the company headquarters through that snow. Some of the roads were cleared, most of them weren't. Johnny got in his car anyway and drove to this office. He was due there at 7 a.m. And as usual, he showed up at 6.30. The parking lot was empty, hadn't been plowed, but he pulled in anyway got there, parked his car, and waited. Now, this is the dead of winter. It was still dark when he was driving over, and he wasn't sure whether or not anyone was going to be there that morning, but he was going to be there, and he was. A few minutes before 7 a.m., another car rolled up. A big Buick, I think he said, and that car pulled up almost to the front door. It was the man he was supposed to meet with today to present his proposal. So he waited a few more minutes and went on in. As he made his way in the front door, the place was empty. Again, there were only two cars in the parking lot and one of them was his. Made his way to the big boss's office, took off his coat, sat down and said, I have the proposal. And uh, if, if you'd like, we can go over it. And the boss interrupted him and said, well, I, I don't need to see your proposal. Now, what Johnny first thought was he'd lost the deal. However, he didn't let on because the next thing he knew, his customer was saying to him these words. John, by your being here, at 7 a.m. and getting here through this snowstorm. I know everything I need to know about you. You don't need to show me the proposal. You just need to show me where to sign it. The man signed the proposal, told Johnny to have a great rest of the day, take care, drive carefully, and they'd catch up as soon as things got cleaned up around town with this snowstorm. Johnny Daniels won that deal because he showed up. And that was one of his traits he shared with me many times that when I knew my competitor was gonna be there at seven, I got there at six. When I was supposed to be somewhere with an appointment at seven, I was there at 6.30. He was always early, which meant he was always on time. And trudging through that snow the way he did showed his customer how committed he was to doing business and he was rewarded with that deal. That was one of many deals that John won just that same way. And it's an inspiration to me, and it should be to anyone in sales, that whether it's rain, sleet, snow, if you can get there, get there, show up. Even if your customer doesn't make it, the fact that you got there will speak volumes of you because a lot of the competitors out there, they're looking for a way out. They see, oh, it's raining, it's snowing. No one's going to hold it against me if I don't make it there. And they might call later on. Well, I learned from Johnny Daniels what I'm sharing with you today. The power of showing up. There's nothing quite like it. Nothing really takes the place of being there. Especially when you had every reason not to make it. You got there anyway. And at that, at that headquarters, the only other person that made it there was the owner that was the person that mattered. And what Johnny Daniels showed that man was everything he needed to know. Signed the deal and they went on about their business and they were in a long-term business relationship from that day forward. I share this with you even though we're in August and in Dallas, Texas, it's going to be nearly 100 degrees for a few more weeks. But to make the point, the power of showing up to do what a lesser salesperson wouldn't do to show your commitment if you can get there get there if you can't get there on your own wheels find a way to get there there's nothing like it and I know that in this upcoming winter it'll be snowing hopefully business will be back opened up and there'll be opportunities to meet in person once again but I share this story with you today because it inspired me and each and every winter and each and every summer actually there's weather, there are flat tires, there are traffic jams, but to make sure that you show up. The power of showing up is something that few people really appreciate like they used to but it still holds true. I want to thank you for listening to this episode. I look forward to you joining me again next week on the West Egg Sales Show This is A.J. Fox. I wish you all the very best. The West Egg Sales Show is brought to you by the West Egg Sales Company. Check out www.westeggsales.com or call area code 214-636-0267.